for listening to the Downtown Community Church Podcast. My name is Delaney Stoner, and I'm the Families Director here at DCC. DCC is located in downtown Tallahassee, Florida, and our heart is to reach the city by loving God, making disciples, and being great neighbors. We'd love to have you join us as we gather each Sunday at 9.15 and 11 a.m. If you would like to make a financial contribution, learn more about DCC, or contact us, please visit downtowncommunitychurch.com. We hope you enjoyed this week's sermon and thank you for being a part of our mission as we continue to spread the gospel to Tallahassee and beyond. Morning, everybody. Welcome to Downtown Community Church, especially if this is your first time and you are new to DCC, a special welcome to you as well. Uh, as we said earlier, if you will, just make, when you leave in these doors right here, just please go to the right and see the new connections desk out there. Uh, we'd love to get you connected and give you a free gift out there and just get you plugged into DCC and just ask you a few questions. Uh, happy National Ice Cream Day as well. So that's pretty exciting, right? If you had not gotten some already, the ice cream truck will still be out there as you leave. Uh, but please get some because that's, that's super delicious. But my name is Mark Kanjan and I am your director of Connections and Volunteers here at DCC. Um, I love this church. I love it here. I love being able to serve you all. I love being able to get connected and meet new people. I just, I want to tell you real quick how much this church just means to me. And I started coming here at the beginning of 2017 and just have been here ever since. Um, This is such a great family and a great ministry. And the Lord is doing a lot of good work here. So I do want to encourage you guys to get more plugged in if you are able to. Um, But today... I am actually really excited because we're going to be talking about relationships, Uh, relationships, conflict, and this is really exciting because regardless if this is your first or 50th time here, I think this is going to be really beneficial to a lot of people in here in some way. Um, Moving forward, let's let's just go ahead and go into prayer. Heavenly Father... This, is, this really is such a, a wonderful time that we get to spend together in this sanctuary. I just ask that as we're in here right now, that everyone we have, even myself, I mean, I, I'm just up here as a vessel, Father, but I ask that you teach everyone in this room, including myself, your word, that whatever is said, Father, that we could take it and apply it throughout our weeks, throughout our, the months, whatever the time is you have given us to here, uh, here on earth, Father, that we can use this time to glorify your name. Please be with me as I'm up here, that I don't come up here with any pride, Father, that the words that come out of my mouth, that they are yours, Father, not of me. Be with that person in here who does not know you, Father, who is exploring Christianity or who maybe someone who has just taken that step of faith to get to know you more, Father. Be with them. We love you and we praise you in your name. Amen. All right, all right, all right. Let me turn this so I am comfortable. Uh, So funny thing is I had a dream that was going to happen last night and it just did. That was like my worst nightmare. Okay. I'm not embarrassed. It's okay. Anyway, <laughs> we do have a lot to go over today. So this is, like I said, we're going to be talking about relationships and conflict, like my conflict with this right here. Um, we are going to get past it and move forward and realize that's not a big deal. So I'm going to just shrug it off. Um, anyways, I have this pastor out in California who 
mentored me in my time of living out there. And he always told me this one thing. And he would always say, I could tell who you are by the people you hang out with. When I got out to California, I didn't have a big community out there. Cause I moved out there like, uh, just blindly, really. I went out to the Bible college that was out there in Marietta, California, but I didn't have any friends out there. So everyone I met was completely new to me. It was, everything was foreign, but it was, it was super exciting. It was a blessed time. But the pastor who mentored me out there would always say, I could tell who you are by the people you surround yourself with. Basically saying, I could take your five closest friends and I can create a rough draft of things you like, things you dislike, what kind of music you listen to, things you might value, could get an idea of how you spend your money. And that's because we are who we hang out with. In fact, the quality of our relationships is going to determine the quality of our life. Think about that. Think about the relationships you're in right now. It could be with a boyfriend. It could be with a girlfriend. Maybe you're a husband, wife, just a friendship, roommates, coworkers, anything. Do you think you're going to have a good life if you have bad relationships with them? The quality of your relationship is going to determine the quality of your life. And you find someone with good friendships, good coworker situation, a good marriage, you're probably going to find somebody who has a great life. And I want you to think about that person right now. That person in your head who you're thinking about that. This person just has everything. All right. And they may be under one of those categories that I mentioned. But when you think about them, they probably aren't, um, you know, they don't take too long to address something. They aren't too quick. They're not passive. They're not aggressive. They seem like they have it all under control. Right? Now, in fact, they're probably handling conflict in a way that makes it seem like they don't have any at all. And that's really, that's key. And that's really hard to obtain sometimes. Like in my life, I'm not good. Uh, I like to think I'm getting better, especially since the Lord is using me up here right now. But with conflict in my past, it's something for me, just like everybody, we've always had to learn and we get better over time. But because our ability to handle conflict is connected to the quality of our lives, we really need to make sure that we are nailing down those relationships in the first place. And the reason being is because we are examples of God. We are vessels in every situation that we get put into. You want to make sure that no matter where you go, you want to be ready. You want to be that example for Christ that he has set for us in our lives. The quality of our lives is determined by the quality of our relationships and the quality of our relationships is determined by the ability to have healthy conflict. When we think about that, sometimes we think conflict is supposed to be, I don't know, like conflict is a bad thing, right? No one wants to have conflict, but do you know that there is such thing as a healthy conflict? It doesn't necessarily mean it's like good but it is possible to go into conflict with somebody and come, and come out of that knowing you know, them a little bit better. Knowing what is on their heart. Knowing them. Because why? There's only one way to do that. And it's because you go in with a selfless heart. Selfless. Not selfish. Now the early church had lots of conflict and James is going to speak directly to that. Uh, if you have your Bibles, you could go ahead and turn to James chapter 4, verse 1. Uh, we'll be looking at 1 through 10 today. But 
like I said, there was a lot of conflicts like that in the early church, and James is going to speak to that. And what's interesting, instead of giving tips for how to have conflict, he deals with the core of why the conflict happened in the first place. And you think about that in your lives. Why does conflict come up in the first place? Is it because you didn't get what you want? Probably, right? If, I mean, if, if you got what you want, I mean, let's be realistic. You would just be defending absolutely everything when, every, when everyone comes at you saying like, wait, why are you always, I mean, I don't know, whatever. But you want to make sure that you are selfless in these situations because conflict has more to do with what's happening on the inside. And here's what's good, what we're going to discover with this. When our hearts are selfish, conflict is very difficult, all right? But when our hearts are for God, conflict is easier in its position to be healthy. It's positioned to put us in a spot where we're going to grow. And not just us. There's always another party in there. That person is going to grow as well. And not just that person, you two together as well. That relationship is going to grow. This is a weird side note, but I was thinking, I was like, I never want to be that guy who calls somebody out for, you know, doing something bad. But I have people who call me out all the time on things I do bad. And especially like after the first service, people who will call me out and be like, hey, you did this. Or, hey, you looked at the paper too long or whatever. But I now, I mean, I have a respect for that. And they're helping me because it's coming out of love. Random thought. But anyways, James chapter 4, verse 1. Let's start there. And it says, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? Now, James launches this immediately with a question, and this is really interesting because he's like getting right to the point, right? He launches this with a question, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Now, this is fascinating because this question is going to ask us about the conflict that we're having with a specific person or the other party, I guess you could say, um, because it could be with a group of people, right? Um, But if I were to ask you about your conflict that you're having with somebody else right now, you'd probably tell me like just the gist of it is, well, she's a jerk or he's just really lazy. But if I were to go to the kids ministry right now and I were to go back there and be like, you know, hey, why are you two kids fighting? And it'd probably be, well, he took my toy or she took my toy or whatever, something, you know, not as important as us. But the conflict evolves as time moves on in our timeline, right? Now, if I were to ask... um, really somebody else the same question who has a healthy mindset for conflict. We would like to think that person would tell us that I was wrong. Uh, Andy Stanley, when he got home from work and his, you know, with his kids and they were arguing, they'd always, well, when they were arguing, he would always make his kids before they came up to him to tell him the conflict. He would always make them say, wait, what's going on here? And they would always say, well, you know, I don't know exactly, but he took my toy, and, but he said, no, what's going on? And he would make them say, every time before the conflict, he'd always make them say, I am upset because I'm not getting what I want. And he'd be like, okay, cool. Now that we got that out of the way, what's going on? And so he'd always start it that way. So free parenting advice from a non-parent. Um, <laughs> but James does answer his question later on in this verse. What does he say? He says, Later in verse one, he says, don't they come from the desires that battle within you? Think about that. The desires that battle within you. You, you, like with a group of your friends, 
or, or, or roommates. This is a great situation because, you know, let's say you have, you know, roommates and then one roommate wants to, I don't know, get some silly floor mat that has squirrels on it and it says this is the party house. And, um, but the other roommates are like, no, we don't want to do that. That's really silly. But that one roommate really wants that. But, you know, you don't want any, everyone coming over and seeing like, you know, we have squirrels on our floor mats or something and we don't want people to think we're like a children's house or something. I don't know. It's super weird. That might or might not have happened in my household recently. Um, <clears throat> I hear my roommate laughing right now. Um, (laughs) James's point with this is don't look to the outer source. Look inside. The answer is selfishness. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from the desires and battles within you? The answer is selfishness. Okay. Now, he's going to continue in verses two and three, and we're going to elaborate on that a little more. Let's go there. He says, you desire, but you do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. And when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. He says, you desire, but you do not have, so you kill, you covet, and you cannot get what you want. Now, this is obvious as this, I mean, as obvious as this is, the point James is making here is he's really bringing out the, what's, what's going on within our hearts, right? What's going on in our minds. I mean, and this is not just for Christians. He's, this is for everybody, okay? I don't want anyone in here to think that he's specifically speaking to Christians right here. This is all of us. Now, The conflict of the problem is selfishness. I didn't get what I want. Now, you may be justified in what you want. You may be justified in in, in your, I guess, argument, you could say, of how you present it. But the bottom line still remains that I didn't get what I want. I'll never forget my brother and I growing up. I mean, we were were really little. It really amazes me that I remember this. Uh, We went to, I believe, Nashville, Tennessee to go visit some family friends up there. And we, this is a crazy story. I wish, I want to ask him about this. I'm telling the story. So everything I say is 100% correct, okay? So we went up to Nashville. We were visiting these friends. And there was this box of cookies, these anim- like the little box of animal cookies, right? Now, my grandmother, I call her Dabada because I couldn't say Abuelita when I was a kid, but I call her Dabada. She took us to Publix to go get the animal cookies. Now, she'd always open like the box and let us eat them in you know, Publix or whatnot. So we go up to the Publix up, up there, or I think it was a Publix. It was a grocery store, so everything to me was Publix because I grew up here. But there was only one box left. And my brother and I were like splitting it the whole time. It got to the point to where there was one cookie left, right? And that's the ultimate showdown. So who's going to get the cookie? Well, older brother obviously is going to get it, right? Well, mom said, you need to put it on the counter and leave it. And I'll decide who gets it later. I really think she was going to eat it. So my next action is justified. I grabbed the box of cookies and my brother's really little. So what I'm about to say, I don't want you guys to think this is weird. But my mom was giving my brother a bath and I grabbed the box and I like went into the bathroom and I said, Ah, uh, hey, Stephen, look at this. Like a boss, okay? I ate that with so much confidence right in front of him, and he started crying. 
I did not feel bad at all because <laughs> I knew my mom was going to eat it. Dabara got those cookies for me. <clears throat> now James goes a little deeper and he says, you do not have because you do not ask God. And when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. The moral of that story, by the way, story, by the way, was, I was very selfish. Okay. Um, but because you ask with the wrong motives, that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. You could tell a lot about a person in their prayer life. Are they talking with the Lord? Are they thankful for what the Lord has blessed them with? What are they asking the Lord for? Now, the prayer life is supposed to be intimate and it's supposed to be, um, you know, between them and the Lord. I'm not saying you should walk around to your friends and be like, hey, I need you to tell me what you prayed for. Get a group chat going or Facebook page, DCC. Like, all right, everyone, two o'clock. What did everybody pray for today? That's not what I'm saying at all. But what I am saying is what are the motives for your prayers and what are you asking the Lord for? Think about that. And I am not the only guy who's done this, okay? And you're a liar if you say you did not do this. But when you were little... And you are not little, but you were old enough to start dating. You're like, God, just give me this girl. If you give me this girl, I'll be the best Christian ever. And it's girls. You probably pray that too. Like, he's just so cute. Let me cheer for the football team. Let me get on it. And then if you give him to me, I'm just going to be the best one there is out there. It's like, we all pray that prayer, but what is the motive? <laughs> right? It's selfish. It's not directed towards the Lord. It's like, no, you should be serving the Lord regardless. Now, James is saying the problem is that it's all about you. We want what we want for our comforts and our own pleasures. James is saying that you want all this stuff, not because you have a passion for God, because you have a passion for this, yourself. This is really hard to obtain. Brothers and sisters, I'm telling you, this is really hard to obtain because if we had this, we'd be fine. I wouldn't be up here right now. You are a selfish person. You are. I don't want to say we, but you are. I am very selfish. I, it's, it's very bad. But we need to work on that. That's something we need to see and be able to communicate with our own selves. Because that's something hard is communicating with ourselves. But we need to realize that my best interest needs to be for God's people. Not for people of Tallahassee, not for people of the U.S. Everyone falls under one category. God's people, his children. Now, this is important. You can't miss this and write this down. When my greatest concern is myself, my conflict will always be about me and it will never be healthy. James uses this idea of conflict to get to the heart of the issue is brilliant, actually. He says, it's like an iceberg, okay? I think we've all seen this illustration, okay? But I don't want to ruin this again. But water level, iceberg, it's like, okay, my head is like 
you know, the top of the iceberg, okay? And it's kind of like, you know, selfishness, right? But down here is like the ugly everything else, you know? This is the biggest part. This is the spiritual issue. I was shaking. That was really hard to do. I need to get on that CrossFit game like everyone else in this church. Um, <laughs> just because I've been eating too much God's meat, register sausage. Um, <laughs> Down here is what's ugly. Down here is what's gross to the Lord. Not that the surface level isn't either, but this is what he's looking at is down here. What what is spiritually wrong? What am I doing that's separating myself from the Lord? We do this thing where You know, you go towards the Lord and really what you're doing is you're pushing yourself away because you're bringing so much more with you. And he doesn't want that. James is doing a very good job of communicating this. And I say that because I believe in the Bible and its inerrancy. And I have to believe that in whole. These aren't James's words. When I prayed, I said, Lord, don't let these words be mine. And these aren't even James's words. Amen? Verses four through six, let's go there. It says, you adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you think that scripture says without reason that he jealously longs for the spirit he has caused to dwell in us? But he gives us more grace. This is why scripture says God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. He starts this verse off like this. He says, you adulterous people. He's not, (laughs) James is not saying this. He's not saying you adulterous people. Okay. James is saying you adulterous people. He's getting upset. You adulterous people. Don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Now, remember, he's talking to the Christians who have already given their lives to Jesus right here. Okay. This is who he's talking to. He says, you adulterous people to the believers. Is what he say? Like, what he's saying? Does it sound harsh? Yes, it does. Absolutely. You ever get yelled at by someone else's parent for the first time, or you saw like some other parent like yell at their kid, and you're like, uh, "Mom, can you come pick me up?" <laughs> right? I'll never forget. We uh, <laughs> also it's the same pastor who mentored me. We were always scared of this pastor because he was he, one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet. But at the same time, he just had this sternness. So when we, whenever we, he'd always have people over to his house after, I think it was every Monday night, we went to this thing called Lyft and people like all the students, it was a college student ministry. All the college students could go over to his house afterwards and him and his wife would feed everybody. That's crazy. Sometimes we feed people out of our community group and that, that gets nuts. Um, but he would feed all these college students and any, you can always tell who was new because they'd walk in, they'd like slide through the door and be like, uh, hi Chet. 
Uh, I'm just going to go get the peanut butter. Uh, we're Bible college students, by the way. But uh, I'm just going to go get some peanut butter real quick. And be like, okay, cool. Yeah. And be like, second week, be like, uh, hey, it's, uh, it's me again. Uh, I'm just, you know, going to grab a napkin real quick. I'm just going to go do that. And, you know, I see you again. Oh, thank you, Mrs. Lowe. And be like, Okay, cool. And then by the third time, they're like, you know, they're not even asking. They're just walking in, barging in, you know, doing whatever they want, grabbing the peanut butter, knife on the table, whatever. So that his home was our home. He was so joyful and so glad to have us with him. We need to have that loving spirit. We need to have that same joy for the people we're surrounded by. Let me say this. We need to have that same spirit for the people God puts in our lives, for your lives. I need you right now to think about the people in your life. Who has God put in your life? Are you doing everything you can to love them? I'm going to tell you this right now. I am not. I am not doing everything I can. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity with God? This verse is not speaking towards God's, uh, about God's attitude towards people, about, but about people's attitude towards God. Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Now, this doesn't mean don't be friendly to people. You should always be friendly to people, okay? Don't, there's not like one day where you're like, I'm just going to be a jerk because, you know, five days being nice, I've earned it, you know? That's not what I'm saying. You want to be nice. You want to be friendly to everybody. You want to grow those relationships. But the difference between the world and God is so vast that as we move towards the world, we alienate ourselves from God that in this world, sin is considered to be acceptable and pleasurable, and ultimately the world has lost its awareness of sin, therefore becoming perpetual. Sin is okay in this world. You are a Christian in a world where sin is okay. And I'm just trying to be as upfront with you guys as possible. I am not perfect, okay? You are, you are in a sermon right now listening to a guy who sins, right? I, I have, I'm not perfect. I'm not, right? Raise your hand if you are perfect. Raise your hand if you're not perfect. Everybody's hand, come on. There we go. Everybody's hand. Come on, raise your hand if you're not perfect. You're not perfect. We're not, okay? These are things that I need to work on. These are things that you guys need to work on, okay? But in this world, sin is perpetual. Next, James tells us how God um, feels about our selfish desires. And he says this. He says, or do you think scripture says that without reason that he jealously longs for the spirit and has caused, that has caused to dwell in us? Now, you... It, I just I, I, I laugh at this and I smile at this because my sin when I think about it when it's brought to light it's meant to to heal it's a healing process I can't grow unless my sin is brought to light I can't grow from that sin I need to give it to the Lord in a godly marriage there is a healthy form of jealousy which a husband should have for his wife if you found out that she was hanging out with an old boyfriend 
but he just said that, you know what? She's entitled to hang out with whoever she wants and I'm entitled to hang out with whoever I want. We question whether or not he really loved her, right? We definitely would question that. Now, James is saying that we must tolerate none of this. God is selfish for you. He's jealous for you. He loves you. James is saying that we must give total allegiance to God. He is righteously jealous for you. He is a righteously jealous God who tolerates no rival. There's no, no rival in this, in this image. He will not have it. And he will squash it very quick. And we cannot claim to be the bride of Christ and then run to the worldly person next door for the comfort and trials of counsel with our problems and yet pursue the Lord at the same time. Go to God. It's okay to be jealous of someone's affection. What are your motives? Are they selfish? Verse 60 says, but he gives more grace. And that is why the scripture says, God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. Now the goal isn't perfection, my friends. The goal is humility. Can't be perfect. We just figured that out. We just decided that no one in here is perfect. We all agreed on that. The goal is not perfection. The goal is humility. Okay. And the very next verse is going to tell us what to do with that. Uh, Verses 7 and 8, it says, Submit yourselves then to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come near to God, and he will draw near to you. Now, let me tell you what this verse is not saying. Well, rewind. I'm going to tell you, reread it and tell you what it's saying. It's saying, come near to God, and he will come near to you. What this verse is not saying is that you have to pursue God first, and then he will pursue you. God wants you and he's longing for you and he wants to give his love for you. God is in love with you. I need to say that again. I'm seeing some faces out there. God is in love with you. You may not know him. Therefore, you do not have a full understanding of that. And I got saved in 2014. I still don't have a full understanding of that. I will never fully understand that until I come face to face with him one day. God is 100% for you. He is in love with you. And this is beautiful because God desires intimacy to be close with you. Okay, so here's the idea. He desires you and for you to desire him. Now, in this, we, 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 we desire worldly desires, right? I would love a new car. My AC's going right now. I just got word of that a couple months ago saying your AC compressor is basically shot and you have a couple more months with it. And it is horrible. It's, it's actually really bad. Whenever I hit a red light, which here in Tallahassee you do quite often, whenever I hit a red light, it gets hot. 
and you need to be accelerating for the AC to kick in. And so you better believe I am like hightailing it down the floor, <laughs> down the road. Whenever I'm like coming to DCC, if I'm going to get gas, if I need to pick somebody up. I don't know. It doesn't matter if I'm just going to go through the drive-thru. I'm like whipping in the drive-thru and whipping out. I don't want that AC to stop. But he desires for you to desire him. And if we get that, if we get God, then nothing else matters, Right? You know the Lord. You develop this bond, this relationship, this love. God, what is he? He's perfect. And he's just. He's in love with you. My, my car has AC going out. If I were to get a new car today, Let's say I, what car would I really want? I'm going to get made fun of in a minute. Uh, if I got a, let's just say 2018 Chevy Silverado. Whoever said that, heck yeah. Um, <laughs> that would be the dream car for me right now. Because it would just accommodate so many things that I do. And I would have working AC, assuming so. Uh, But if I got that car, I wouldn't think twice about the old car, right? The BMW? No, it's an old BMW, by the way. Okay, this thing is garbage. It's not garbage. I'm blessed to have it. But um, the AC is a big deal, right? Um, I wouldn't think twice about that car. It wouldn't even even be in the back of my mind. Last time I was up here, I told you guys how to get those things that are distracting in your lives and put them in a bag and get rid of them. Don't keep them in a bag and keep them in the back of your mind. You need to get rid of that bag, right? Get rid of that thing, that BMW. Um, Anyways, um, but we constantly, as people, as Christians, we settle for less. I'm going to do the same thing I did a few moments ago. You settle for less. You do. I do. I settle for less every day. Okay. God has so much more for you. I think when I got my first speeding ticket, I called my dad because I was so scared. Like the cop came up and I was, I was, I had to go to court. I was going so fast. The cop was not nice and I broke the law. But, um, I called my dad and I was so scared. I was like, I have to go to court. Right, am I going to go to jail? I was like, uh. And anyways, I called him because I, I, I needed to know how to handle my situation. How often do you go to God to handle something right away? You know what God's going to say, right? He's going to say, wait on me. Do you want to wait? No. Did I want to know if I was going to jail or not? Right away? Obviously not right then because I would have been in cuffs. But yeah, I wanted to have an idea. Of, like when I go to court, am I going to be going to jail or not? When you come into conflict, sometimes before going to somebody else, you need to go and wait on the Lord. The dean of men at Bible college, we, we were dorm stewards. And it's kind of like being a leader of a community group. You know, you're the leader of your room. Uh, but as dorm stewards, I remember we had a dorm steward meeting one, one Friday afternoon and uh, someone asked a question to the dean of men who would always lead the meeting. And well, 
and there's a dean of women as well. I want to make that clear, but the women had their, you know, meeting, and then the guys had their meeting. So, anyways, I'm obviously in the guys' meeting. Um, but we had our meeting. Someone asked the question, and Dean of Men said, "Have you prayed about it yet?" And the guys like, "No, <laughs> like it just happened this morning." You know what happened that morning? This guy was just, he kept disobeying like his dorm steward. He kept messing up and, you know, messing with other people's things. Well, that morning, the guy went to the lake and grabbed a goose and brought him in the room. We got it. Yeah. Who said what? He, he grabbed a goose and brought it into the room from the lake. The, the, the dorm was right next to the lake. One of the guys in the dorm went out to the lake, grabbed the goose, carried it like this, because those things are from hell. I don't know if I can say that on stage. I'm sorry. Anyways, um, <laughs> anyways, he brought it in the room. We were in dorm steward class. Everyone else was at their other class, and we're, he's in that room alone with a goose, videoing it, sending it via Snapchat, because that's when Snapchat was cool, to the dorm steward, as we're in dorm steward class, we were all laughing. <laughs> but that was a result of, of, of getting him, just receiving consequences. I shouldn't go too deep into that. But he, he, there was consequences involved, right? That goose situation is kind of different. But you should be going to the Lord in times when you don't know how to handle a situation, instead of going to somebody and getting an instant answer, you need to wait on the Lord. And we need to wait and see what he wants for us and how he wants to portray his love for us. Verses eight and 10, it says, wash your hands, you sinners, purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter, you mourning, um, Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. James has no filter when he says this. He says, wash your hands, you sinners. But as harsh as that may sound, James is saying, repent, turn from what you're doing and humble yourselves and God will lift you up. Okay? I got a few more things I want to say. But I'm running late. I want to say this. When you're in times of conflict, when you don't know what to do, here's what I want to leave you with. Draw near to the Lord. Draw near to the Lord in your times of conflict. Because he has not only a desire, he has a passion. It is a fiery passion for you. God is in love with you. We have to know that. We have to understand that. When our hearts are selfish, conflict is very difficult. But when our hearts are for God, our conflict may not be easier, but it is positioned to be healthy. That's what I want you to take away with this, from this. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this day. Thank you so much for blessing us with a time to come in here and hear from you. Help us in times of our conflict, Father, when we don't know what to do. Help us in times when we desire to go seek answers from somebody else, but instead that we come to you, that we can wait upon the Lord. 
Father, we just love you so much. In your name, amen.